Welcome to the Modern Carnivore Podcast, a guide for those interested in hearing more about hunting, fishing, and other paths to eating more responsibly. Now, here's your host, Mark Norquist. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Modern Carnivore Podcast. And I'm looking forward to sharing today's conversation with you. It's with a group of friends, actually, from a trip we took to north central Minnesota here this last January to do a little uh, what we call hard water hunting or dark house spearing. Uh, of course, I was joined by John Kachork, who's been out on the ice with me the last few years. And we had a few friends along, uh, Katie Berger from Fish Untamed, Alex Gorman, who is the president of the uh, University of Minnesota Chapter Club of uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and then Dave Gunther. Uh, Dave is a retired art teacher who is very passionate about dark house spearing, making decoys, etc. You know, this trip uh, was a result of Katie reaching out to me. I was on her podcast a couple years ago, and I talked about dark house spearing, and she really expressed interest into it and gave me a call here this fall saying, hey, starting my master's program, and I want to do one thing before I go deep on this next phase of school, and that is I want to go spearing for whitefish. So that's what we did, and uh, we invited Alex along, hooked up with Dave in northern Minnesota, and just had a great time out on the ice, had some real success, and, uh, and a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. So we're up here in uh, north central Minnesota and doing a little bit of dark house spearing. And uh, it's early January. Temp this morning was, what was it? Negative 37 was the lowest we saw in the car. Yeah. That's cold. That's really cold. <laughs> John, you had uh, you got a good uh, little video of uh, your 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 boots being yep chipped the chipped away this, this the former slush now ice cap around my <laughs> boots <laughs> about an inch and a half two inches of ice all around my, my shoes when we got done setting up it was brutal i i don't think the uh, snowmobiles really wanted to run i don't think the heaters wanted to run um the the shacks were tough to fold out because they were wet and frosty from the day before and then we got slush on the ice so it was challenging it was challenging, but um, but it was fun, right? It was a great time. Great time, great days. So, uh, so we're going to talk about dark house spearing, and I think it would be great to start with Mr. Gunther here. So, actually, why don't we go round and just say who's here? Let's let's start with this guy uh, on my left. Okay, Alex Gorman. I'm a graduate student at the University of Minnesota and also repping the uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. I'm the club president at the University of Minnesota, so I'm here with the BHA doing our dark house stuff. Cool. Uh, John Kachorik. I write at Modern Carnivore. I'm also a BHA member, and uh, I enjoy dark house spearing. I was, I was into that when I was a kid. Uh, it's one, kind of the one, one sort of hunting and fishing thing I did my whole my whole life that uh yeah i've got i've been doing it for a long time so i picked up a lot of stuff as an adult but this one i've been been doing for a long time and it's got a special place for me uh dave gunther i'm a retired educator at pequot lakes high school and part of my curriculum was 
I taught my students was decoy carving, fish fish decoy carving mostly. We did some duck decoys and stuff too, but yeah, it was, and spearing was the one thing growing up on a dairy farm during the summertime, all you ever got to do was pitch hay bales. In the wintertime, my father and I would go, that was the only time we, we could fish, and that was a, that was why I'm, I guess, passionate about spearing. It's, um, it was something I did as a kid and something I still enjoy doing. And uh, Katie Burgert, I am uh, host of the Fish Untamed podcast, which is actually how I got connected with Mark. Um, had him on the show, I don't know, maybe a year or more ago, um, and briefly discussed dark house spearing. He casually invited me up, and I remembered and <laughs> saw that tickets were cheap and hit him up this winter, and here we are in negative 37 degree weather. <laughs> a little bit different from Colorado. A little different from Colorado, but uh, extremely interested in everything surrounding the, the culture of dark house spearing. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. Well, happy to have you here. And uh, yeah, we're just uh, we're here at Roundhouse Brewery. Uh, they were kind enough to give us this space to to record in. And uh, great beers. And um, so, Dave, I guess I wanted to start with you. You know, you t- you talk about what did I do? What did you do? <laughs> Spoke up. Uh, you grew up on a dairy farm. You're retired now. You've got a long history of spearing, going back to when you were a kid. You did it since you were a kid. John did it since he was a kid. Same, same for me. Um, why? You know, you said you never did really any any open water fishing, just because again, you grew up on a dairy farm. Yeah. yeah, you know, we we once in a while we would get out, but you know, most of the time, you know, a dairy farm, you're daily till dark. Seven days a week, you know, you had to make hay when the sun shined. If we weren't bailing hay on the farm, we were bailing hay for the neighbors. So fishing, you know, uh, uh, we never really did much for summer fishing. So in the winter time, it was a time with my with my dad, and my brother, that we would go out. We'd do up chores, and then we'd go out on the weekends, and we could go out and sit in the spear house. And it was always so much. It, it was like a magical world, and we weren't working. <laughs> we were sitting there and what eating sandwiches, <laughs> eating. <laughs> You know, it was I like could a, sit on this thing behind me. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like a picnic. I mean, it really. I mean, it was it was fun. We just got to go out there and relax and sit and spear fish, and, and it was just that whole magical world. Looking down in that big spear hole at a whole another world, like a big aquarium. So we've talked about dark house spearing before on the Modern Carnivore podcast and other stuff we do. But why don't you give for the casual listener? They're probably going, "What? What is this?" So how when somebody asks you. What is this dark house spearing thing you speak of? How do you describe it? Well, first thing I, I tell uh, when I taught it to, to my students at school, you know, I said, everybody's seen fish houses on a lake. And I said, you know, some don't have windows. Well, they think they just can't afford to put windows in them or something, <laughs> or they're on a budget. Uh, but no, um, I told them that those are dark houses. Those are spear houses. And the idea behind a, uh, a spear house or a dark house is you don't want light in there because the light reflects through the ice and it comes back up through the hole and it illuminates it's just like a lighted aquarium and the whole underground underground underwater world is right you know you can see you know crawfish going through and you can see just all everything going on in a whole nother world and just sitting in there is relaxing it's mesmerizing the people that see it for the first time are just amazed and you know wow um, 
and it's my wife Barb is claustrophobic. She she will not go in the spear house. She tried it once. She says, I'm out of here. She's back out watching her tip ups. It's no no thing. So it's not for everybody, but um, it's it is enjoyable. It's just it's just there's something that just draws you into it. So did you have you done it your entire life, or is there a period of time when you didn't do it, or is it? Uh, when I was in North Dakota, going to college, no, we we did not. There wasn't really a whole lot of time. I was on the wrestling program there and stuff, and you know we were busy to cut. You know, in North Dakota now it does have spearing, and uh, we try to make a couple of trips out there every year. But um, that was about five, about five six years that that I was away from it, and then I lived in northwestern Minnesota. When I first started teaching for six years, and basically we just fished walleyes up on Lake of the Woods. That was the closest lake to us around there. But uh, so spearing, I didn't do much of that until I moved down to the Pequot area. I got back into it. So it's a winter thing. You're out on the ice. Most people these days, because of like grumpy old men or other things, understand this idea of a, of a fish house out on a frozen lake. You've painted the picture of no windows. You're in there, you cut cut this hole in the ice, and it's pretty simple. You got a few tools, right? You got It was the poor man's uh way of, you know, get, gathering food in the wintertime. It you know you, you got yourself a spear, you got yourself a nice chisel, um, you made yourself a wood stove or whatever you had to do. You don't have to re it's not renewable products. Um in open water fishing you're losing lures all the time and of course in that market too this is the latest and greatest you know i gotta have this i gotta have that because it's the newest latest marketing thing you know well this is the new lure to have or whatever but you know summer fishing you lose you 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 snag on something you lose lures you have to go back and rebuy you know and replace in spearing you buy one light color decoy and one dark color decoy and everything else that you've got will last you your lifetime. You don't have to go back and buy more things. <clears throat> what about when you snap your your spear in the door, though? You know, like a fishing <laughs> rod, and you just you got to replace them every couple times a year. <laughs> no, I just just reweld it. Just bring it to my shop and weld it, but take it back out. <laughs> that is the thing. You know, we've talked about this. That's the thing I love. I love. I do love about it is there's not a whole lot of commerce and industry around it. There's a lot of craft. And and you're part of that. I mean, you in the make decoy decoys. world. In the yeah. decoy world, absolutely, because you have your carvers, you have your people that uh, are collectors, and collecting is big. Um, you know, the older decoys and you know, in the market form is unbelievable. What some of these decoys will go for. Uh, the old, I call them the old masters. They used to carve, you know, back in the 20s and 30s. Um, you have uh, you have people that just carve they don't fish you know you have there's not a lot of them but they're out there but uh, most of them that do carve usually like to spear also Um, and the talent that is out there and the imagination and creativity involved and I look at some decoy carvers have a certain style other decoy carvers everyone's a little bit different that's how I am I, I don't want to get into a rut, so, so to say, of making all my decoys one way. Every time I find a piece of wood, I, I, I can kind of see it in there, and I have to just remove it from that piece of wood and make it. But, yeah, the decoys are the big thing, I think. And a lot of people kind of get, you know, with decoys, there's so many different types of them. But 
all of a sudden you see one, hey, I, I got to have that decoy. Or there's a certain carver that you want to have one from or whatever, for a whether you're collecting or just for use. Um, you're in my living, you were in my living room. You saw hundreds of decoys hanging from old spears from the ceiling. And, uh, yeah, it's a sickness, I know. <laughs> <laughs> So you get the so you're in the dark house. You got the spear. You've got a decoy. So again, describe the purpose of the decoy and and what defines a good decoy. A, a good decoy is one that sinks. So it floats <laughs> in the bottom, floats down there, and uh, it all, all it is is an attractor. And I think part of it is the amusement for you that. The person that's fishing is, is, you know, how they swim. Some will have different personalities on the way they're weighted. Some will dart very fast. Some are kind of lazy. Some are super slow. Um, and every decoy has its own personality when you drop it into the water and how it swims. Can that make a difference on a day fishing? Absolutely. You know, maybe I need I need something that's moving a little faster. Maybe I need uh, a, a, one of those CM wiggle type ones where it looks like a wounded wounded minnow. That might that may bring them in. I've seen fish sit on the outside, uh, just off the bottom, sitting there looking at just looking at that decoy. And I've turned around and brought it up slowly, hooked up another, and brought it down, and they've come in and hit it. So color, it could be act. So you got different actions and every, you know, a lot of different elements to it. But that's half the fun. I'm just putting those decoys down there and watch them watch them work. So John, I know you love decoys. You love spears. Same you just sickness. love the aspect. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. What have you found in recent years? Like, have you always loved uh, a certain kind of decoy? You've got your big one. Yeah. And uh, that's that. That's it. That's a, that's different from the ones I use. Yeah. So, kind of an interesting story around. I, I carry two, two to three decoys with me typically. Um, a lot of that was just. The people we learned from used these type of decoys, Brewells, um, and they're very common in in Minnesota. Uh, Bruce and Ellen were yes, the, the Bruce couple and that Bruce made and them. Ellen, Brewell. Uh, Watkins, Minnesota, yep. I believe, is yep. where they're from. Yes, can't get that wrong with Dave sitting next to me here. <laughs> <laughs> I just like felt the weight of the fat check, fact check on my yeah. on my left shoulder, <laughs> and so. so Anyway, they were some of the most, uh, you know, well-known and best working. And, you know, they, there's a lot of them out there, but they're really high-quality decoys. And you, and up until a couple of years ago, I think you can still get them in sporting goods stores, the, the smaller ones. I think some of the their descendants are still making. But anyway, back to this. There's a big 14-inch one that we picked up at on the way to our annual ice fishing trip up to uh, Winnebogoshish and in Grand Rapids. And every year we'd see if they had them and then all of a sudden they didn't have them. So then the whole, when are they going to make the, the big red and white Bruels again? Oh, and my dad got to the point where he would, whenever we were driving somewhere in Minnesota and there was a bait stop, a bait store, excuse me, we'd have to stop and he'd ask, okay, you go to, well, cause everyone put their stuff away during the, you know, summer, they'd be like, well, they're all downstairs. They'd be like, well, do you have any of those uh, red and white Brewells? And then a couple of times people went down and they'd find them and they'd sell them to them. Um, but yeah, it, it was more a rare thing. And then there was also like the big fish, big decoy theory, which I don't know if it works, but it also typically got fish for me. So that's when I always start with, but that's, that's, I also like, 
I'm piling them up pretty quick as I started writing these articles. <laughs> I'll say that too. It's like, a good excuse, right? Yeah. Well, My I wife was eat. like, "Where is who are you sending 140 dollars to in North Dakota?" I was like, oh, "Well, just, just watch the mail. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's art first. Uh, <laughs> so, research. Yeah, exactly. Research. <laughs> exactly. You know, you just you just touched on something that that I think is is interesting, and that is." Um, you know, Katie had asked today about about strategy and about uh, what works and method methodology, et cetera. And 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 again, that's another aspect of where I think everybody has their perspective. Everybody has their theories of what works. I only do it this way. I only use this size decoy, this color decoy. I always make sure X. Um, but I don't think there's really there isn't like a consistent school of thought that says this is the way to spirit, which I love about it. That that's kind of the mystery part of it, which is yeah. nice because, and I know on certain lakes that I've been on, certain colors don't work. Yeah, I've I've, 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 heard that too. I've found that to be. When true. we were out here last year, and you were like, "Quiet, there's a fish." I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then I just like said something, and a fish darted out. Or I just like reached over for the spear, and you're like, "No, you have to move really." Slow. I was like, "No, you what?" And then I oh, spooked the fish. And where I've speared, you can like almost tap dance on the whole and on on top there, and you <laughs> really? don't, it won't spook them. <laughs> right, right. Okay, I can attest to the fact that the pike in this lake have <laughs> jittery <the> telepathic powers <laughs> to know when you've seen them, and they and they leave. Uh, one one was slowly moving in today from the the corner of the of the hole, and Mark hadn't seen it yet, and. I saw just the snout, yeah. and I was like, oh, and it was gone. It was instantly gone. Um, and I was like, how does anyone spear these things if they can hear you whisper to each yeah. other? Um, and the whitefish didn't seem to be, they didn't seem to care at all. Didn't what have a care you did in the world. or said, yeah. Sailing through a little different, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do have to say, I, I kind of... Um, you know, I my show is focused around fly fishing, and that's mostly what I do. And I can really appreciate the the fact that everyone has their own theory of why this decoy works, and you know, there's no real rhyme or reason. Um, <laughs> in the same way that you know, while fly anglers try to match the hatch, there's often just one that you pull out of your box and you just fish it because it feels right or it looks good. And uh, flies are meant to catch fishermen, not fish you know yeah very true yeah i heard someone on a it was like a pheasants forever thing or something they were saying like we tend to hunt and fish memories so like whatever worked for you is like what you always do like Mm -hmm. it worked before exactly yep Yep. so it's like like what the things that we get stuck in and ruts and like the thing the first move we always make is like based on some memory now other people could say that's data <laughs> like you use to make a well-informed decision but you know there's sounds one more the official that way. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly well we have, we've got data oh, sure. good, good for you so here in minnesota you can dark house spear for northern pike lake whitefish or roughfish which could be different things in different in different bodies of water um but um you know, I grew up doing a lot of whitefish spearing. John, you northern pike, and and I think ninety nine percent of people are are if they're dark house spearing, they're going after northern pike. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that, but I I don't know many whitefish spears. I, I would say so because you've got northern pike just about every lake, whereas exactly, whitefish yeah. are not 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 in, as common. Not yeah, as common. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. So, Dave, more. do you? Uh, in your spearing career, in your life of spearing, um, what have you primarily gone after 
And he, and Jordan Pike? Or, it was always yeah. Pike. Always Pike. Yep. Okay. Um, really got into the whitefish after I started fishing on Cross Lake. I, I fish Oswana McKee, which is right across the road. It's handy. It's right there. Started fishing on Cross, mainly, and I have a couple houses on both, both not this year, but most years I have <clears throat> houses on both lakes so that I have that opportunity to go after a different species. Used to go after eel pout. Now it's become a game fish. Really? I guess so. <laughs> I, I, that's, I, I heard Matt say something about that, about yeah. tulipy and... and uh, yeah, we were talking and, about yeah, that last yeah. night. Um, yeah, it's become, now it's become a game fish. Oh, come on. <laughs> What's the limit? Is there a slot? 425. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you can't... 300 between 28 and yeah. 30. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. So now, so you can't take eel pout or tulipies, I yeah. guess. You can't, you can't spare them. It's, and, and it was something, it's, and I, I never asked him. I, w- I wanted to ask Matt that because um, there because is pout the, in there, in, in, yes. in that lake we were, we yes. were fishing today, that unnamed lake. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and I was thinking about that, and I was, because I was thinking for you guys, I'm like, if a pout comes in, I'm not sure if you could spare it or not. And so, which, you know, so we were going to have to hold so on. So we saw one leopard tail. I was going to say. We did. Okay. And it was either a muskie or a eel pout. But right. We did, like, I, I don't saw think the, there's any muskie in that lake. That's eel pout. Okay. Yeah. It would have yeah. been an eel pout then. Because yeah. it was, yeah. I didn't see the the real telltale yeah. tail of a eel pout. Burbot for some of you listeners out there, right? Freshwater lingcod. <laughs> we should also tell poor man's lobster. Poor man's lobster. It is so good. It is great. It is we should great. tell the listeners at home who Matt is. Yeah. So, uh, well, Matt Miller. Yeah, Matt and his uh, girlfriend Lee Neitzel, uh, friends of ours, uh, came down from Two Harbors. Were spearing with us today, and unfortunately, they had to, they'd head back uh, to get some dogs out of the out of the kennel, so they couldn't join us tonight. But uh, the only successful pike spearers on this trip. Yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. else is trying to get a pike, and that's all they can get. And, and I think they were they trying, were trying for to get whitefish. Fish. Matt really, really <laughs> wanted a whitefish. Yeah, fish. they wanted and, a whitefish, he said last night. He, he got one. I gave him mine. Yeah, he got one. And then he, he took one home. Yeah, yeah he, he took, took one, one home. home. Yeah. <laughs> but he did, took one home. He should have been in our house this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Cut, oh, my gosh. Or, and we didn't cut the hole today, but we got in there, and three whitefish cruised underneath. Oh, and, really? Oh, yeah. In like, tandem? like Yes. Yeah. Wow. It, they were like They were just strolling together, and, and we weren't even... Ready. We weren't even ready. It was when mm-hmm. I it was coming over. You know, you you would switch spots from our, our first hole, and so we were just kind of, you know, we weren't really actively like sitting there with the spear. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and I'm like, oh whoa, there's there's three giant whitefish just just kind of cruising. And it, there might have been two, and then one other thing, um, or was it three whitefish? It was t- two and maybe a whitefish, or we're not Something, sure. Something, but it was yeah, it was. And I had to hold myself back from throwing that spear. I, untied. It was it was not around. tied to anything. It was probably still all wrapped up. But I had it in my hand, and I I lifted, and I was like, "Don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Don't lose this spear right now." Yeah. Uh, so I set it down, and Mark was like, "I'm really glad you didn't throw that." So <laughs> the yeah, to, to I wouldn't have blamed you if you did, but I'm glad you did. It was so tempting. But like the spears are, you know, you were talking, Dave, about the the gear that you know. I've had the sp- same spear for 30 years, right? And um, they, you know, there's a, a rope on them that you tie off somewhere so that you can retrieve it. And there's a, uh, usually a cover so you don't, you know, injure yourself or any of your gear and... Or bend the tines. Or bend the tines, yep. Or, but the, 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 
that's the kind of stuff that you know makes the, the sport special is you know they're made by blacksmiths and people they're you know the best ones aren't mass produced the best ones tend to be older and you know you, you can't just you have to have, be like ready for it you can't just like you know right it's and a I, little bit of a little bit of a like and, and to ceremony get, to get ready to to spear in, yep, in a and, way and i know i've speared my my grandfather passed away in 1963 i've got his decoys and they sit on the shelf in the house, but the uh, um, the uh, I've always speared with his old spear. I mean, this thing's from back in the 30s and 40s, and you know, up to last year, I do now have a Bell River spear, and uh, that is very nice to use. But it's almost so pretty, I don't want to drop it in the water. But I, why I, did you let these guys use it today? Then I wonder. <laughs> Yeah, one of these guys. Well, we're we're old pros now. That after is our, true. You are old our, pros. Uh, probably eight yeah, so, eight hours. But you know, like for myself, it was kind of a nostalgic thing. I, all my spear houses are very old. Uh, when I parked them out in front of these fancy houses over on the Whitefish Chain or wherever I might be, uh, <laughs> it, looked, it looks like a slum out in front of there. But it made me feel bad about it. But uh, it, it just these old houses have so much memory, uh, good memories in them. They were all old houses that we had at the farm. I brought them down here. I fixed them. My brother was going to burn them. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Ah, burn them. You know, that's, that's your uh, really sentimental brother, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. And, you know, like the, the wood stove in my one spear house is uh, the one that my wood sh- my my metals teacher had back in high school. Oh, cool. When he passed away, his son-in-law gave it to me. Um, you know, it. It, that's kind of the cool part. So you remember those people. So there's a lot of kind of a sentimental journey with it. Uh, the house we were in today, uh, that you guys came over and sat in. When I saw that, those come up for sale, I had to have uh, one of those Heath houses. And after sitting in one of those, they're just, I mean, it's retro, man. It is so cool. The tar paper inside of it. and It's just the old wood stove. And it's just, if you've seen the dark house bearing print this is what the painting was done yep. after and you can sit in there and, and and i actually have the printing on the wall you saw that so you're it's sitting identical. there like this is cool i mean right down to every nail and whatever else but yeah it's just kind of fun that big northern wasn't in the actual house that, though that was just in the picture though, right? yeah today okay. it wasn't <laughs> yeah, 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 that, was that the, didn't show up <laughs> well you can only see the painting when the door is open yeah, yeah, right. it, yeah. i didn't know it was in is there the until we the, looked in from the outside <laughs> that wasn't the one with the beer can on the bottom of the of it is it what's that isn't there one of those oh, prints that has one. the yeah. beer can yeah, on the bottom right. like or the old timers used to no, do no it's the pork and beans isn't it or that's, something that, like that that's an interesting story because in the first one it is the looking down the spear hole yeah. the next one is the side view of the fish under the ice and then with the spear going coming in. Yeah. down and it shows the the, the uh, pork and bean can and it had a couple uh, uh, Prince Albert can yeah okay he got less gotten so much tr- uh, trouble about lit because littering the bottom of a lake. In the third one where he's d- pulling the f- um, the fish off the lake in the yeah. sled, you see those same cans with spear holes in them. Like he sp- sp- poked them and dug them out and put them up on top. So he did actually remove them. Oh, so gotcha. if you look at those three, that, those three prints. Yep. So talk a little bit about um, Les Cuba. So for those those who are listening who don't know who Les Cuba is, Les Cuba is originally from Hutchinson, Minnesota. He was a uh, he had a place up here on on uh, Hay Lake. On I think he was on Upper Hay. Yeah, and anyway, his brother had Ernie had the uh, butcher shop, locker plant in Pine River, 
And anyway, he spent a lot of time up here. And he, uh, if you've, he, he was a commercial artist. He did all the, Sch- if you've ever seen the Schmidt beer cans with all oh, the, really? the, 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 the animal wow. beer yeah. cans, all the scenic beer cans. Yeah. Oh, cool. He was an artist for those. Uh, he did, he created, designed the uh, work for Old Dutch. Oh. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Uh, heard of it? Yep. Yeah, heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> little, little company. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure it was jo- the green, Jolly Green Giant or not too, but but he was a very uh, more of a commercial uh, designer and artist, uh, sign painter. Got into doing wildlife art, and uh, it was always interesting in his art. All of his paintings, it was 13 of something in it. There's always something of 13. So every painting, I, every print or every painting I see of a Les Cuba, okay, what is it? 13 of that, 13 of this. You're sitting there coming, ah, that's 14. Okay, so there's got to be something else of 13. So it was always a fun trick. Is, did he ever say why that was? Or is that something that's commonly known it, it, or something it, it, that your it, it, art teacher I picked up? It was No, it was something that he always did. He, he did that just, that was kind of his trademark. If you like find all those things, is there like, treasure buried somewhere if you like solve all yeah, of right. the, you, you get the you biggest go to pipe. upper Haley yeah. and you find yeah. where that hole was there's actually the pike is still there bars yeah, right. gold bars underneath gold bars yeah right underneath where that <laughs> prince albert can was in the first picture you know you mentioned the the beans and i saw the uh the sign inside the dark house today that said absolutely no potato peels beans or shells down in the hole and you had mentioned people sinking potatoes um, can we hear more about the the dropping of of food down in the the hole? The idea, but potatoes are biodegradable, so that's not so bad. Or eggshells too. A lot of times, if you're in a an area where the water's murky, or you can't, or you can't make out the bottom of the lake, if you're looking into the great abyss down there, you can't see anything. Um, but using eggshells and putting them down there, it, it creates a contrast. And it lights up the bottom of the potatoes, and then now you physically can see the bottom of the lake, and and it makes it makes a big difference. Otherwise, just look like looking into just nothing. Yeah, especially early season before the water settles too. Yes. You can have that, and that's the reason behind doing that. So that's why, like John's hole today, it was the abyss, and it's and that's tough to just stare at that at, at just a black yeah. a black rectangle for for hours but that's why it was funny when yesterday when we were cutting the hole and katie's standing there and and i and i peered down i we just sort of said okay it's the right depth i'm gonna hope that it's a good spot i can't really see down in there so i cut the hole out and i and as i pull the blocks out i i peer down in there and i said yes this looks great and she goes she's like where are the fish where are the fish she thought i said i was saying it was great because there were fish there i'm like no the bottom looks beautiful which is so important and what was interesting about that spot it was it was really it was nice gravel not a lot of weeds and unfortunately an aquatic invasive species, uh, zebra mussels that has infested this lake. Uh, there were dead shells all across the bottom with the sand. So it was very light colored, uh, bottom of the lake, yeah. which makes for a great contrast when yeah. that dark fish yeah. comes through. So it just, it just makes it that much more viewable, you know, easy to see. I mean, of all the holes we visited ours, and then we visited Matt and Lee's, and then we were in the dark house, um, on your lake, and yeah, I, I can. I thought ours was the most 
interesting yes. view when you're looking down in there. Like yes. a fish, uh, you know, fish aside, um, there were some weeds, there were some shells. Oh. I think Jen didn't see your hole. So, well, I mean, no, that was well, one that Matt and Lee. That was Matt and Lee. So, I mean, interesting. I don't know about. <laughs> what was your take? Alex, which one was the best from your perspective? Well, you know, our our hole, which which, hole, which Matt, which Matt, <laughs> our, our, ours yesterday, that because because I was with with John, uh, um, and you know we had a lot more foliage in ours, but we, not it was it was a tasteful okay. amount. <laughs> Like a good, good composition. Yeah, yeah it, it was a nice, it was a nice ecosystem. Okay. Um, well, I think we had tasteful amount of foliage too. Well, I speared some of it today, so that was you know we, we got to see that that close up. But both holes were were equally equally great. Sounds like you guys had a better spot. Oh, I, I think Alex is being very diplomatic with his mentor here. Um. So, Katie, Alex, your first time spearing yesterday and today. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, it's something new, something different. What for for our listeners who have never done this? Like, what's your perspective on it, Alex? I'll start with yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so, just you know, before I kind of dive into that, you know, I I grew up in Northern California, you know, in a in a rural area, but my my family didn't hunt or. My my friends didn't. We we did trout fishing in the in the reservoirs and the Sierras and the lakes, um, and so this whole this whole world of really you know hunting and angling as a as a lifestyle is really brand new. And so, and also the the fact that ice freezes over over water and you can drive on it makes sense to my brain as physics works. But <laughs> um, from a from a cultural perspective. Driving my, you know, you're pretty excited yesterday when you said, "Am I? Is my? Oh I'm, yeah, I'm here with my explorer. Is it on the ice? Yeah, it's like I, I have a, you know, yeah, my my Ford, my my little California, my California car is driving on ice, um, and so it's just the the neatest thing. I mean, I just I just don't think I can say it enough. It's I mean, when Kate and I were talking about it yesterday. There's there's nothing like it. I mean, it really is. You know, it's it's. You know, I've I've done. You know, you you took a squirrel hunting, and and you know, I, I could kind of squint and be like, yeah, squirrel hunting can be kind of like grouse hunting. Sure, you know, they're both small, and you're walking and and stuff. But really, with you know, it's it's spearing is so interesting in that. Um, Dave, you mentioned that that window, that that hole you cut is such like an ethereal window, you know, and it's an aquarium, and it's just so entertaining and mesmerizing. And uh, John, you sped up. What was that? That spinning thing. Oh, the teaser. Yeah, I yeah. mean, talk about mesmerizing. I mean, yeah, I could yeah. I could watch that all day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and uh, uh, luckily we we both got on the board with with whitefish, um, which was just. I, I think we both both have mentioned, uh, or at least you know, for it, it's just weird, like blackout, like totally instinctual, and something so wonderfully primitive about, you know, I have a sharp pointy object. And I'm going to I'm going to stab my food, and it's just such like a you know a, a, you know and it's you know it's not like it's not like deer where you got to wait for it to stop. You're like no, this fish is moving. I have to act now, and if I don't, it's it's going to go. And so it's just a cool just you know you connect and you had quite the thrill from what John said too. It was like uh... yeah, he uh, there was a, a white fish that for for folks who don't spear whitefish, they don't tend to come into the decoy and you know look at it and kind of you know, sit around or, or loop around too much. They, 
interestingly, this year, they were coming in at the level of the decoy more. Last year when we saw them, they were cruising on the bottom under the decoy, and it, it just seemed like random chance that we were getting. Through, yeah, yeah, but this, this year they were coming at the level of the decoy and sort of, yeah. you know, coming in at sort of an angle, never really stopping, you know, maybe slowing down a little bit. So we saw one or two... And, you know, we didn't get a shot off, or we got bad shots. We off got bad shot off first. I mean, there was that, um, that the you know two or three fish when we like first sat down. We're like, oh, there's there's fish. Yeah. Then yeah, you had your shot that yep. you know um, people had shots that missed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we, there was one on my side that I was like, it, it wasn't coming through. So I had the I had that side of the hole, yeah. it, but then there was the the one the the first one that Alex got was in the backside of the of the the hole of this rectangular hole we had cut. And by the time he threw it, we couldn't see the fish. No. So it came through. It never really got directly underneath us. It was still probably two feet from the decoy when it was closest. And I was like, well, take, a, take your best shot at it. And he lined up with his offhand and kind of half pool cued, <laughs> half like javelin throw and just nailed it. Center tine right through the, right through the back of the white fish and... It was and it was great because you're. I was like, yeah, I think you might have them. Like, oh, I feel them. Yeah, no, it was just <laughs> wobbling on the end of the rope. It was great. It was oh, it was so exciting. I mean, yeah, and you just got done explaining like, well, you know, the the ideal setup the situation is, you know, you see the dorsals and you know, you want that center tine right behind the head. Yeah, I was like, all right. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I said, I said when you told me that, I, I said, "Wow, John's got the most detailed spearing method I've ever heard." I'm just sort of like, you know, just get behind the ears, right behind the gills. He's like, "Center time." I'm detailed because I yes. know fish don't have ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except for except for the what? pike in that one Mark, spot. I'm not sure what you're asking me to do here. <laughs> Some people call it details. <laughs> yes. Other people call it anatomy. <laughs> well, it's, it's like with it's memory. Yeah. So, Katie, how about you? First, uh, second day of, of spearing. Again, you flew halfway across the country because you called me up and said, hey, remember me? You offered, you offered to take me spearing and I want to go spearing. I'm going to fly halfway across the country to do this. Cause you're this like, is... Oh crap. I forgot. I, I forgot. I invited this person. Well, I want to start by um, just saying it's kind of funny. So Alex did the same throw today, but instead of forward with the, the pool cue, he threw it backwards underneath the ice we were under He's just and got Mr. Trick Shot <laughs> over here. He just, hasn't really? seen a single fishy hit. No, I haven't. I, I was saying that earlier today. I have not. You I got ha- that one too? Yeah. And it's just this, wow. this weird, just wow. like, you know, just calming a, experience and then blackout. And it's just that reptilian part of your yeah, brain it, where it you're just, just like, uh, there it is. Yep. And, and both times I'm like, there's, n- there's no way. There's, there's no way I'm hitting this fish. Wow. And... Wow. And we're like, oh, hey, look. Well, and meanwhile, I want the fish to be right underneath me. Oh, yeah. Perfectly centered, or I'm not throwing. Because, <laughs> because Mark, had, I think Mark had just said, you know, it's not ideal if you're kind of throwing off to the side. And so I heard that and said, I don't throw sideways at all. Yeah. Um, 
So I see the fish go past and I wait for it to come back. And he said that um, it's not typical for the fish to kind of circle back around. So if it, the, the white, white, the white, fish, white, the white, the white fish. fish. They're to keep cruising right through. But yeah. we had a couple that did. And I lucked Allegedly. out because. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, and that's where her patience, I told her, her patience paid off. Uh, I know it's my 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 knee hitting the leg of the table here. I, I put myself in the we wrong spot. We all got spot. a stern talking exactly. to about not being loud on this table. And then I'm the one in the and table. I got the eyeball for like sliding my pint glass to pour up here. And Mark's over here telling Banging knee slappers, table. <laughs> table slappers. Uh, so Katie's like, like okay, here comes a white I, I said, here comes a whitefish. She doesn't see it at first, and then she sees it. Okay, she's getting ready. Oh, it she holds holds tight. I'm like, great, that's fine. She didn't she didn't uh, didn't take a throw she wasn't comfortable with, but it was a whitefish, so it's gone. I'm like, well, let's just wait and see. About ten seconds later, comes back around right in there and she takes him right just right right behind the gills so it was it was a perfect shot the ears the ears exactly exactly no that's <laughs> yeah yeah and that was a beautiful fish oh, really nice fish yeah. beautiful yeah. fish just yeah. just perfect size yeah well and it, it i think it happened for at least two so i've got three i got three fish total and at least two of them i held off and thought oh crap i i blew that and then it Absolutely. came back um and I don't know if that's just luck on my part or that it came back, well, but... Um. I have an interesting theory on that, or observation, I should say. Um, I saw this one northern that had a... This was years ago, but it had a really weird... Somebody had missed it with a spear, and it had a nick at a certain part in its body, so it had a very distinct wound, all right? Somebody that threw a spear like yeah. Alex, usually, yeah. yeah. And missed. No, yeah. Yeah. threw a spear like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex would have hit it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I threw a spear once yeah. this weekend. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> was, yeah, sorry. Uh, but anyway, I, I saw that fish eight different times that day. Because, yeah. you know, I think my theory is that they kind of have their, their core area and they cruise around they in it. They have a territory. Gotcha, and, yeah. you know, you'll catch them. They're like, oh, I remember looking at that. Maybe I could eat it this time. You know, their their, their brain isn't that big. Right. So, but I, I do remember seeing that fish time and time, like repeatedly the same day. And I've even seen on another occasion, the same fish the next day. Wow. Which like another one that had like a distinct scar on it mm. or something on a, a really bright day in a really clear lake you can see. And, you know, it, it came back almost the same time the next day. So is that your theory on the whitefish coming around again? Yeah, I think they might, they might well, have like a core area that they cruise. This one wasn't yeah. though, this wasn't like an hour later. This was the fish, you know, swims through the corner of the window and five seconds later circles Turn around. Oh, to come right, back exactly. To the oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it, it like turned like a pike. That's where it's like, you see pike come around back. That's pretty cool. But, it, but yeah, exactly. Rarely, rarely whitefish. They're usually oh. just... Going right through, you, yeah. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you see them on the right side of the spear hole, and you better be ready because by the time you grab the spear, they're up out already. Unless you're Alex. Yeah, no, well, see, that's, that's where I'm just, I must be just be too slow or something because then I'm just like, I need to throw because that's too good. Well, yeah, I, I can't, you know. I, have to have to let y'all, yeah. you know, have have some yeah, exactly. semblance of, of competition. And you know, um, you were talking too about the territorial thing. Uh, remember, years ago, I had a little northern about. 16 inch northern yeah and something had happened to him he was a little 
I'm, I'm not kidding you. I can't make this up. He he looked cross-eyed. <laughs> so we we call him we call him Norman the Northern. He comes swimming through. And he's kind of a gimpy looking little guy. We did have those There's ears offset. Yeah, yeah. he, yeah. he kind of swam through. Ears. I go, hey, buffs, you know. I'd be over in my spear house. My buddy would be in our. That's back when we had the little CB radios. Yeah, the walkie talkies. The Nextel ones or the uh, or the real CBs. Oh, this is no. This is way before that. Oh, cool! We got, you bought them in a, got them in a box of cereal or something. Oh, cool! You can awesome. barely understand what we said, but it was cool. We, we had them, but anyway, hey, Norman's over here. Pretty soon, Norman would be over in the other spear. So he was our pet. Don't That's spear awesome. Norman. Don't spear Norman. So I was just telling Katie today about uh, the risk, of, which I never mentioned. You guys actually, I was going to mention to both of you of the risk of a muskrat coming up. And I've never had it happen myself. Have you, oh, God, have, yes. uh, J- John Davey? Never. You, I've never not, had it. You haven't either. But, oh, uh, you said it was kind of common. Yeah, it, it, it is it relatively is. common. Really? But I've just, I mean, I you know enough people. My brothers had it happen. My dad had it happen. I've just never, I myself have never had it happen. But. It kind of depends on what lake you're on. Yeah, you know, if, yeah. If, if you got uh, bank rats or if you got muskrats in the lake, yeah. And what hap- what is funny about that is you've cut your spear hole, you got your little house sitting here, it's nice and dark. And when you see a northern or a, any other fish, they're they're down about three, four feet. Yeah. Or depending on how deep. These little these little buggers are are right below the ice. You know, their their back is rubbing against the ice because there's air pockets for them to breathe and you know, they float. I mean they're <laughs> You know, so book. You know, they, they dive under, and they're just stuck to the top there. So when they they're swimming along, just happy, and all of a sudden, they bounce right up. I mean, they will literally <laughs> bounce right up in the hole. Oh, cool! You're up there, warm. And you know, it scares them as much as it scares you. And they're plucked, they go oh, back down. Yeah. 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 And they, they, they splash. You know, then they Is splash all the, when they splash back down. Uh, beaver, otter. Yeah. You seen a beaver come through your spear hole? No, I haven't, but a friend it's of mine did. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, he went right out the door. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, he he but it, it came up and hit, and the splash, and there's water dripping all over. <laughs> oh, my God. But, wow. uh, People have seen otter in their spear hole, too? Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of otter on Oswald and McKee, and we've had them come up in. That would be a little, that would be a little cool. bit terrifying. Okay, so that's good to know for, uh, oh, man, for, for, for the next time. Yeah. Dark house, either. Yeah. No. So I saw oh. someone on uh, one of the spearfishing uh, online communities and this muskrat came up and went into this guy's spear house and started he had a fish sitting on the ice just ate the tail off the fish sure <laughs> went back down and left was that right? yeah. that's awesome we've had times where we've come back after two three days and the that hole's open and they'll they'll start building that as a, sh- a shelf for feed you come oh, in really? it'll just be full of you know cattails and everything and i gotta clean everything's all frozen <laughs> in there you gotta clean it out yeah, find a new house. Well, I can I can imagine. I mean, uh, not not totally shifting gears. We, you know, we we were talking earlier about the kind of the the sentimental craft part of 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 dark house spearing, which I absolutely love. And and your you know your dark house they were today, Dave. It's just it's so warm. It was I mean with that stove, it really feels like you're stepping back. You know, it's very into it into a whole nother. I mean. Just the yeah the Can't non beat that wood stove no yeah. the, the wood no. stove I mean like no. I took I took so many layers off I was like you know this is great it, you know people look at me and say oh my god you go out and sit in a fish house out out there all day long stare down a hole I go you it's my relaxing time I mean t- you know of course 
saw my vintage Panasonic radio over in the corner. Oh, so you got your 70s. radio, you got your coffee. And... Yeah, I got my you know I got my little cook stove. I can yeah. cook on top. I got my spam. I got my I eat spam once one season. That's <laughs> now, but uh, but anyway, but you know so dark house spamming. Yeah, dark house spamming. <laughs> but that just to listen to that crackle of that wood stove and just it's relaxing it totally it's, i mean it smells you know, way better than propane doesn't too. it <laughs> yeah, yeah. good point very good point yeah. and it's 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 dark i mean like we those those tents that that we were using the last couple of days were, were were definitely dark like coming from outside and you're oh like, yeah but the, I'm, like a I'm plywood blind, but that, that that house that you yeah. have dave yeah. i mean it was like like katie was saying like i don't think you saw that print on the wall until, i didn't see the print until and, we got out and, and yeah back until in. afterwards because <laughs> You can see nothing except the hole you're looking at, which is just is also just some of the just just, just cool. It's there's nothing like that. Um, I was I was telling my you know because my my folks are like, what what are you doing? <laughs> you know you you have a they're a, concerned. <laughs> yeah, like there were a lot of concerned people. What, what, well, yeah, concerned what, what are you doing quickly. in Minnesota? <laughs> I had a lot of people get really hung up on the spear yeah, itself. Yeah. They thought it was a spear gun like you would use in, oh, a, like a, in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's uh, winter. And they're like, is it like a, so like a trident? And I was like, yeah, I mean, kind of. Plus yeah. four. Plus a bunch yeah, of, exactly. yeah. a bunch of other times. But a septent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, the people just, you know, I mean, and I've had, I've, I've taken a lot of people out and, you know, once they've, they've done, they go, oh my God, this is so cool. It's just... To, to experience it is, is the one thing. One thing I was going to mention too, you know, when you're talking about where do you fish placement, remember if you're fishing for a northern, it, a, a northern is a predator. A predator will chase something into a corner. They will corner it. Now think of a corner as being tipped one turn. Yep. They're going to, they're not going to chase something in 30 feet of water. They're going to chase it up into a narrow area. So whenever you find a ledge that comes up and where there's a drop-off is a good area to set up. And weeds, and you need, like where I'm at now, I put that there because that was the only place with a flood ice I could do it. But um, if you can have some weeds and have a, a drop-off area, they'll come from the deep and chase it into the, the, yep. the smaller area to capture it. Makes total sense. Well, that's where, you know, you and Katie both yesterday and today were a little further out into, I don't know, not the bay we were we were in more and towards the the main body of the lake, but John, where we were yesterday and where where Matt and Lee were today, that's what you were saying was we were on that slope and there were, yep. you know, you I think you were calling cabbages down there those Cab- weeds cabbage yep. weed yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so that yeah Dave that makes a lot of sense of that totally. So Katie, what was the intrigue? The dark house spearing that caused you to say, I want to do this. You're going into this master's program in hydrology and you're like, I want to do one thing before I do, before I go deep on this program. And that is dark house spearing. Why? Uh, I think it was the, um, uniqueness of it in the country. I mean, if I want to, if I want to pick up a new type of fishing tomorrow, I can do that from Google. I can say, okay, I'll go buy this type of rod and I'll buy this type of lure and I'll go give that, I'll rig up this way and give it a try. Um, and this seemed like the type of fishing or, I mean, it's hard to even call it fishing. Um, I kind of wanted to get into that. We, we kind of got um, off, you know, your question of what did you think of it? And it, it reminds me a lot more of like archery hunting um, and watching a deer walk past because that's what it's like. It's uh, not angling. It, you know, no. It's, yeah. A whole, yeah, it's, it's a whole other. It's, it's hunting. hunting. Yeah. Uh, 
And I just, you know, I was just thinking about the fact that you, you threw that out there and it's, it, part of it's the, the culture behind it. The fact that it's so unique to, I know it's not only in this part of the country, but it seems very prevalent in this part of the country versus elsewhere. Um, and also it's just so, uh, inaccessible, I guess, in that if, if I didn't come do it with you, I probably would never do it. Uh, and it seemed, you know, like the perfect combination of my passions of, of hunting and particularly archery hunting and, and fishing and being able to combine those two in a, in a very active, you know, you are a, you are a predator here, not just passively waiting for a fish to take your line. But, you know, if you don't make a move now, you will, you will miss that fish. And honestly, it was, it was kind of nerve wracking. And I think the reason that I've been maybe more patient than, than Alex, and I, I think the longer it went, the more I was willing to throw a little bit, you know, off kilter as I got a little bit more confident with it. Uh, is that I'm used to the idea of waiting for something to stop. You know, if a deer's walking yeah. through, you you don't want to shoot while it's right. walking. Yeah. Do you do you a doe bleat and the fish kept going? Why is the fish that has <laughs> ears, why is it But yeah, you're like, you're like kind of subconsciously hoping that it stops. And then when you realize it's not going to, it's now or never. And if you don't take your opportunity now, and that's what I think Alex mentioned, you almost kind of black out. And I, I think the same thing, instincts take over. And if you don't throw now, um, right. it's either throw yeah. and miss or don't throw at all. And it's better to throw and hope for the best yeah. than to, to never throw. So it's just so yeah. exhilarating when it happens. And you know, if you have a good spear, you don't lose many fish. If you hit them, yeah, yeah, right. like they, if you get one tie in a most fish, you can usually get them. Up. Mark and I had a hundred percent success rate on this trip. Yeah, we had yeah, about you guys. Yeah, we did. We didn't do any spear and release. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've got. I was. I was just thinking about that too. Mentioning about spear and release, it's kind of like, you know, I remember a joke about waterfall hunting. You know, shoot, shoot and release. You throw it back in the air. You know, <laughs> but uh, one thing we always did. You know, we always talk about catch and release, and you you pull up a walleye from fairly deep and then oh take pictures you put it back in water is there a guarantee that fish is going to live I see muskies torture and release exactly <laughs> yeah right. where in dark house spearing it's decoy and release yeah that we do not do anything to that fish in water we have not hooked on to it it yep. does not struggle it is our option yep it is our decision to harvest that Yep. animal or not yeah, exactly otherwise it keeps right on swimming we i do. love the way yeah. you said that absolutely you know and, and it, yesterday katie didn't take a shot on on one of the fish and i think it was the second one i think it was the second white fish that came through and i don't know if we weren't ready i don't remember exactly what it was and it, and it just came through but it was i i was just excited it was so fun to have that sec, second fish coming through and i said to her i said i said wasn't that thrilling just again just to have that sighting of this giant fish right below you yeah and you can do that absolutely you know and and i think um we were talking about it today we were katie and i were talking about exactly this topic because i got asked to speak at this for this fishing club next month on the idea of killing fish because it's mostly catch and release people who are part of this club and it is something where i think um there isn't any one answer. Every person has yep. their own perspective on right. it, for sure. But I think you can't uh, you can't just look at this as 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 something that is uh, yeah I don't know in in a negative light, if you will, as as right. a different thing from yeah. angling, saying that it doesn't have an impact. Yeah. Well, that pike today. Um, you know, we had a pike come in. I, I mentioned it earlier that it kind of eased in. We saw its snout, and I <clears throat> I made some sort of 
excited noise and it left and it ended up coming back, you know, maybe 30 seconds later and just smashed the decoy. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that wild? It's amazing how fast they can move. It was so exciting. And I didn't get a shot that, you know, the decoy string was in the way and I I didn't feel like it was, it was a, an ethical shot, if you will. Yeah, Um, So I didn't do anything, but I was like, that was so exciting to watch the pike come in and and hit that decoy like that in itself was, was worth sitting there and watching. Like, no, who else gets to see a pike act actively, uh, you know, attempt to eat something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, you don't get to see what happens when, you know, you have your line on the water. I guess with fly fishing, it's different. There's a little more sight involved, but there's still a little bit of... hug. Yeah, you feel Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's mostly a, you got one sense engaged, right? And Mm -hmm. to have this whole other sense visually engaged and, you know, you have, yeah, it's just a whole different way of doing it. You see them where they'll come in like a log and they'll come right up to it. Yeah, and then that's there's the sound other... of a log coming in. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what they hear with their ears when they come yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. And other times where you see, where they'll, they'll come in, and I mean, before you can even, they've got that decoy. They'll yeah. take it and thrash it, and they will just rip it, and you'll see paint flying off the decoy. Yeah. So if it's a one made out of basswood. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. Anyway, but then Dude, from this there, it's cracked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it'll and it'll take it right, right out of the hole. It'll, it it's gone. It's taken it out. Like, oh God. And then you start pulling and you feel it tugging. Yeah. And you start pulling it back in. There it is. Well, you, yep. And then it'll let go and, or else you pull it in. Then hopefully you can spear it. But Wait, then, you've had one come and it's tugging on the decoy still? It has let go. Really? Yeah. Wow. Never had that happen. That's awesome. I didn't that was yeah, weird. That's, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it'll take the decoy and run. Yeah. And then. Yep. Wow. I just I just grab it. See, I've got that retractable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That retractable spool, that uh, retractable fly fishing. Yeah. That's what I use. On my, uh-huh. So if it does grab it. It can go, then I can start pulling, I pull it back in by hand. Well, well, let's hope our, our monster pike tomorrow doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or maybe we want that because that's exciting. And I think that, you know, Katie, you're talking about, like, who else gets to see that? I think that kind of plays into the more of hunting aspect yes. of, of dark houses. Yeah, you you get to choose, I'm, I'm taking this animal um, right. versus with, you know, with, with traditional angling. It's just like, yep. oh, that thing, that is, it's, it's bit my hook. Yep. I'm, I'm bringing it up if I want to release it right. or not. You wait to see what the fish does, and then you react versus, exactly versus, versus observing and making the decision yourself. Yeah. Like yeah, sitting in a, in so a deer stand, you know, bow hunting, and, yeah. okay, no, I'm not going to harvest this animal, I'll let it go, yeah. or, or I'm going to take this one. Same thing's true there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it's just so cool to, you know, and, and I, I haven't seen any pike yet. I'm I'm northernless, um, but I've seen, much much to John's chagrin, um, uh but just those those whitefish kind of just they're kind of slow. They're kind of just cruising along like they've got nothing better to do. And exactly, like they're slow, company. but it's also so fast. And but they, it, yeah, you're it, like I've got three seconds to make a decision. Yeah. It's it's so you slow you don't even realize. Yeah, yeah, you're like the the I'll northerns move even more methodical than that. Do they really? They can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like the ones you were talking about that come like sometimes <laughs> like they'll come log. in and rise slowly up to the bait. Kind of look at it. Kind of, kind of go meh. off, and then maybe they'll make a big circle to gotcha. come back around. Sometimes they'll nudge it a little bit. Oh, okay, that was me touching my mic. The sound of a northern nudging a deep That was a, okay. <laughs> but it's, and it's amazing if you've ever, if you ever, if, most people never get to see this. How a northern, when you think of how slender their body is, how they'll swim in, and how they they can stop on a dime and give you eight cents change back. Yep. I mean, well, stop. Yep. You know, how, the, how do they do that in the water? And then sometimes from that stop, they'll coil up like a snake. You were saying that, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they load up all that kinetic energy wow. and then just 
shoot right oh, out. It's, it's nuts. I don't know if just for clarification, and I, you know, this is something I've learned in the past month. Northern and Pike are, are synonymous. Is a, a Northern Pike. Northern just, Pike. Just, Northern just, Pike. just for yeah. those those listing who are like there well, are other Pike out there, but. Do they really? Well, yeah, yeah they, mean, don't, they don't get called pike yeah. that often. Um, so they call it walleye, walleye pike. pike. Walleye yeah, pike exactly. walleye. Then you have the yeah. chain, chain pickerel, which is a little bit smaller, but you know, they, yep. yeah, it's yeah. like red and white chain pickerel, right? I think something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, Katie, you are a uh, fly fisher, fly angler, fly. Any, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter exactly <laughs> as we discussed. Uh, which, frequent flyer. Frequent flyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the new phrase. I think you're gonna have to change the name of your podcast. <laughs> the frequent, the flyer. frequent flyer. I mean, uh, time, uh, time, time's fun when you have flies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm dropping out of school now. That's what I'm doing. I'm gonna start a rival podcast. So, so in the fly fishing community, it, there's a pretty strong catch and release ethic. Um, and what's your perspective on that relative to? now coming out here doing this and i mean obviously you don't have an issue with with killing fish but maybe talk a little bit about that so i've i've never been strictly catch and release as a kid you know i did a lot of smallmouth bass fishing and that was all catch and release because i was a kid i didn't know what to do with it and my family didn't really do a ton of um fishing or hunting so it wasn't i didn't have anyone to take the fish home to so i just you know throw it back and uh continue on and when I started fly fishing, I feel like I was more indoctrinated, I guess, into the catch and release world because that's what what's pervasive in the fly fishing community. And there's definitely um, fisheries that I believe should be catch and release. Um, Absolutely. You know, our native cutthroat, I will not kill a cutthroat trout in Colorado because they're, they've got enough struggles as it is. I don't need to add on to that. Um, you could argue that I'm contributing by going out and harassing them with a hook in their mouth, but, uh, that's another conversation, I guess. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, but, and I will say most of the fish I catch, I do release, um, partially because it's, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't need to go through the hassle of keeping every fish I catch when a lot of them are five to seven inches long. And, um, there's a lot of reasons to release a fish, but I'm by no means anti keeping fish as long as it's within the um, sustainability of the fishery and within legal regulations. Uh, and I've, in the past couple of years, I've gotten more into keeping fish, um, partially because I, I value the idea of providing my own food, knowing where it comes from. And also I kind of, I, I would like to provide a, um, a, it sounds, I don't know, it sounds egotistical, but like a, an inspiration to other fly fishermen who, um, might be a little, worried about keeping fish and how that's going to look. Um, and I, I would like to just let people know that it's not, it's not terrible to, to keep a fish when it's, um, sustainable and legal. And I, I wouldn't want people to not keep something because they think it's going to bring social, uh, stigma to them. Um, because I, I don't understand why that would be, a, why would that would be an issue? Um, so I've I've kind of moved more toward when I can keep a fish and I have the uh, means to keep it. You know, I have ice or whatever it takes to keep a fish and keep it good until I get home um, to keep those fish. And uh, I was actually telling you, I don't share a lot of fish pictures on social media, but I actually try to post pretty much every fish I kill um, just to provide that, uh, I don't know, inspiration to people, I guess, in the in the fly fishing world that keeping fish is a great way to provide food for your family, great way to connect with your food, um, way to make fishing more immersive for yourself and not just 
uh, like a passive activity, but more of a, a way to immerse yourself in the sport. So um, I've kind of moved more toward keeping fish when I can, if that's an option. So that's that's also partially why I was interested in this, uh, the dark house spearing, because it it does get me kind of more away from the, the purist. I just take, you know, catch and release pictures of, of trophy fish and release them and more toward a, uh, you know, this, this is a very primitive and, and fly fishing isn't necessarily as primitive as something like dark house spearing, but people have been catching fish to sustain themselves for thousands of years. And I think it's, it's good to keep that in people's minds as they go out. Yeah. And, and, and primitive in, in, in no way implies, of of lesser quality, but of just I think a more simplistic and I can't remember John or Dave you mentioned, you know you buy a spear like, and you have that for the next thirty or forty years. Yeah, it's just it's just so cool. Or three generations. Or yeah, or right. three. Yeah, yeah, I mean exactly. Yeah. Like how cool is that? Um, but yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really cool point, Katie. I mean that's how you know, the, the trout fishing for rainbows that we did growing up was, was me and my cousins and my uncle would take us out. And the only way we went fishing is when we were camping and what we caught, we ate. So this, you know, I never really, I didn't grow up with the concept of catch and release because we went fishing because it was like, okay, we're, we're, we're camping in the Sierras for a week. You know, yeah, we have our other food, but when we're going, when we're going to fish, if we get a fish, and there's, you know, I have four siblings and, and three cousins, so there's eight of us plus my uncle all going out for trout. You know, you get ten fish or so, then that's that's what we're eating. So, yeah, I, you know, I think there's an aspect of catch and release, and, and again, not not coming, you know, being down on catch and release. No, there's but, nothing. No, yeah. But I think there's an aspect of it that eliminates the best and most important essence of what it is to be out there and pursuing this 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 food you know yeah, and that yeah. that that is why we as a species started fishing was to exactly. eat was to exactly. eat yeah. that was the original intent and so if we take the original intent out of it and, and now you sort of trivialize it to a superficial thing i think is is the risk but right? it's good because it keeps with slot limits and catch and release and all those things like preserve right absolutely and, you know, like, no, yeah. no so it's it's, absolutely. A, it's a good back and forth and you know it's like where musky fishing is now in minnesota compared to 20 years ago because it's become almost exclusively catch and release absolutely like, I'm, not, I'm not here like you know <laughs> rep- representing them in any any way but like you when when one hand washes the other is just it's such a it's such a nice balance because it gets more people into it it allows you to uh you know, enjoy it and just like, you know what? I don't feel like cleaning fish, but I kind of feel like going out on the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gonna, absolutely. Gonna, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's obviously how catch and release came to be. I mean, I'm sure people were fishing for food like, and at eh, some point someone was like, this is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we need something other than lazy. Yeah, like, great. Uh, yeah, you caught a fish. Wait, throw it just... I got it. Catch and release. Yeah. Pass me another beer. We can beer. stay out here longer <laughs> we if we don't Let's go catch some more sunfish, kids. Oh, we only got four bluegills. We only got four today. We'll have to go back out. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that it's absolutely a blast to be fishing all day. So, I mean, I, I totally understand why catch and release exists, but I, I think to assume that that's the only way to do it is just um, depriving yourself of one of the, the greatest joys of fishing. Yeah. Just to come home yeah. with something to, to provide yourself or your family or yeah, that, whatever. That, that fish sighting in a dark house hole never gets old. Never. The tug on a line never gets old. 
and then like cooking a meal that you saw from that you procured yeah exactly that you saw from a to z and your family or your friends enjoying it that feeling never gets old absolutely well it was just you know the, the 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 cool thing i was thinking earlier with with uh you know, is is dark house angling? Is it hunting? Hunting angling? Uh, you you can't. You know, when you're when you're hunting big game, small game, upland, along the line of catch and release, you can't unshoot a deer. You know, you you can't you can't release a deer after you've you've pulled that trigger, you've released the arrow. So I think that aspect of my best friend, super super into steelhead fly fishing, um, in the Pacific Northwest, and. I, I think he enjoys the 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 dance with the fish absolutely mo- more yeah. so than um, you know he'll he'll take every every other one and and eat it and have a have a good time he'll smoke them but he you know and uh, he he really likes that that back and forth that dance with the fish um, which is which is I think great and and I've got a, a few friends who. Their their thing, what they do in the summers is they go into the high Sierra and they'll fly fish for for goldies for golden trout. Um, yeah, and I guess if they if they took every golden trout they got, I mean, there's like three of them in the Sierras, so they're releasing every three of them every time they get them. So it's a yeah, like I, I think like you, you put it you put it well, John. You know, they're washing each other's hands. Yeah. So Mark, I I kind of want to uh, take over in that I want to ask you like what. What's it? I mean, I'm sure we're not the first people you've brought and introduced to dark house spearing. Um, what's it like? We're certainly the last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After this trip, yeah, just <laughs> close that door. Totally mentoring thing. <laughs> <laughs> what's it like um, being in that position and being there with somebody's first spear? Because um, I've been there when people catch their first fish, and it's obviously really exciting. But it's it's kind of a completely different activity, um, kind of like we discussed before. Uh, is that is it just as exciting for you to watch somebody else spear? Are you kind of itching to grab that spear yourself, or like, <laughs> what are you feeling when that's going on? Um, <laughs> even though, as I told you yesterday, with that first fish, I almost grabbed the spear from you when you couldn't see it. And I'm like, it's right there. I should take it. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, I loved seeing you guys catch and spear these spear these fish, um, and that is. Um, that is that's a really enjoyable part of it, and yeah. that and 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 Dave, I know Dave's done this for a long time and mm-hmm. has taught so many people and given back in terms of of all things with this with this community and you too, John. And it's just it's um, it's it's something that is really fun to see, like you guys again over the last couple of days. Just the excitement of of realizing what this experience is of having your eyes open to go, wow, I now understand yeah. it. I've heard about it before, but now I get it. Yeah. And I've actually been part of it and I've had some success with it. And I mean, just here, I, and I knew you were, you were all in right from the start, Katie. And, and it was <laughs> Wait, just, how did you know that? Uh, let's see. <laughs> you flew across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Pursued. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but it was, it was just like, um, you know, and, and then you got that first fish and you're like, that's made the trip. I mean, so one moment there made the whole made the whole trip worthwhile. But um, it's it's just fun to be to be part of it and to have people understand what it is. And I think whether it's hunting or fishing or foraging or anything, where you can really take it through that full experience. And and 
I think especially with hunting, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, it is, this is, dark house spearing, I think is more like hunting than it is fishing. Totally. And, um. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's yeah. just, and that's, and that's, you know, why we, we call it hard water hunters a lot. And it's like. Um, hashtag. Hashtag hard water hunters, yeah. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> and I always think with hunting is, um. You can't explain to somebody what it is like to hunt. They can only experience it. Yeah. To truly understand what it is, the complexity of it. Because I think a lot of times people have a, have a difficult time understanding. Okay, if you, let's take deer hunting. If you admire that animal, if you love that animal, how in the world could you ever kill it? And that's a tough thing and I think it's almost an impossible thing to explain. Yeah. And so until somebody's experienced it, I don't think it's it's really it, it can really be understood. So like last yesterday and today, just being out there and having you go, wow, okay, now I understand what this is about. And and you know, you guys you guys have been out and done a lot of hunting and fishing or a fair amount. You know, Alex, you're relatively new. Katie, you're very experienced fisher, and. And I think just seeing a new experience and somebody experience that personally is uh, is that's just it's just great. Well, it's also interesting because it's if you were just to explain it, you know, you say you you go out on the ice, you cut a hole, you see the fish, you throw a spear. It sounds very straightforward, and then you realize how you know how much setup it took. You know, it's yeah. negative 40 degrees out and, you know, you guys yeah. are trying to get the snowmobiles to start. Together. Yeah, your yeah, eyes not, are freezing Yeah, it's shut. not a balmy, beautiful, oh, look, yeah. it's a nice sunny day. <laughs> a you know, leisurely out stroll out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to, no, to the fishing you, hole. you had the best Minnesota experience you could ever oh, ask. Yeah. If, you could, if, you could, if you could spear it here, you can spear it anywhere. Like, I mean, you that's guys what they say. did the slush, you did the the brutal temps. This is, was one of the tougher it was ones. I've, it I've was pretty brutal was. out there. I mean, I, machines did not work. I right. mean, you could sit and watch Google all day and, oh, they're spearing. Eh, until you actually hands, hands on experience it. And like I said, the slush on the lake. The temperatures, yeah. You 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 got the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it was great. I mean, it's, it's just it was well, a full, it all full worth experience. It. Well, you know, so every worth fish, it. you're like, what's, so much went into this one fish. I, I wrote about this in one of the uh, in one of the articles, but it was how everything that happens above ice—the trailer, the truck, the snowmobile, the house, the shelter, the the auger, the saw—all of this gear, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of stuff comes down to six square feet of ice yeah comes down to an eight inch decoy comes down to like hitting something three or four inches wide you know it's just like this huge funnel that mm -hmm. all of these resources yeah. go into it for that and the the magical moment at the end has to be worth it otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here doing it and you know thousands of people wouldn't wouldn't participate in this sport but it's 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 crazy just like all of the stuff that feeds into that and then you're like Oh yeah, I, I understand yeah, why. I like I was chipping ice off the bottom of my boots today. <laughs> like, it was, that was really fun to see the one fish come There's through. There's a video you know? of that. We'll put it on the. No, uh, it's, on it's, the it's a great. <laughs> and the thing is, too, you know, summertime. Okay, I'm not getting any fish here. I'm going to move. Yeah. Boom, boom. You're portable. And or you're you know, trolling. Or, if you, and, yeah. if you're, yeah. or the, you're napping on the shore with a beer in your hand. Yeah. And it's yeah. warm, <laughs> and you're just as happy to yeah. be out there. You, yeah. If yeah. you're low. If you're into the the, I call it you know the Dave Gens you know where. If I'm fishing here, okay, I can move. The, I can move. I, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. going to keep moving until I find the fish. Yeah. You, you, 
you had better do your homework on knowing where that break is yep. and where you want to set up. Because once you cut that spear hole, do all that work, you're probably not going to be, well, I'm going to move again. Yeah. You're, we, gonna, it, you're pretty much set up for the day. I did that today. We had and a good uh, I would yeah. not advise it. <laughs> 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 but we, we cut that. So the 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 uh, software that was referencing on the phone. I don't know if my GPS was off or like the the something was freezing. Oh yeah, but, we were but, yeah. yeah we were talking it was about off. it and it was the off. Unnamed software. Yeah, unnamed, the, the unnamed software. The unnamed link. Voting software that <laughs> a lot of people use. But anyway, I cut. I, I thought we were in nine feet, and it was a foot or two off yesterday, based on where we put our other house, which was a fairly good spot. And we it got three graciously today. set very good spot. Yeah, Matt and Lee up today with. Yeah. A lot of fish. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we cut the hole, and all of a sudden, we had shoveled all out because we were kind of waiting to shovel to uh, run gear out there, and, and we punched it all out. And we didn't have a depth depth finder out there or anything. I was just like, "Oh, this is gonna be a good spot." I just had a good feeling about it. And we cut it up, and all of a sudden, weeds were coming up all the way to the top of the ice. And I looked at, I didn't even like put the house up or anything. And I could see a beer can on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's like, your potato. Yeah, we, exactly. were, we were in it. Five, we were in like yeah. four or five feet of water. There were weeds literally like tickling the surface of the water through yeah. the, and we were just like, we have to move. I'm sorry. Do you remember so. what brand of beer it was? I probably know who was probably spurring over there. Bush Light. Unnamed brand of beer. That doesn't help. Former student of yours. Yeah. <laughs> After they graduated, yeah, of course, for any yeah. people listening, yeah. You know, why is it? It's never a craft beer. Yeah. No, it's never a craft beer. Oh, God. It's it's except except for the one light. I fell in today. It's always something. Growlers light. don't provide a good contrast against the bottom. Just toss that good out. Point. You can't spear the growler. It, it, ha- it, ha- it has to be. It has to be a silver. Yeah, you know yeah. that's why they call it's it Coors or Miller or Bud. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Katie, you brought up a good point a few minutes ago, I think, which is um, that experience of realizing, or I mean, you just going out and doing something until you experience it firsthand, you don't understand all the effort that goes into it. And that's, I guess, one of the lessons I love about the aspect of getting your own food in wild spaces, which yeah. is you understand what it takes to get something on your plate. Uh-huh. And I think in this day and age, we take for granted, yeah, buck 19 a pound. That's easy. You just go down and pick it up. And you don't understand and appreciate what humanity Appre- went appre- through. Appreciate. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You don't take as good a care of it. I mean, think about, think about the people... I'm reading. I've been reading uh, this book lately. Good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. How long have you been able to do that? Dick and Django fishing. Sea yeah. <laughs> spot fish. Yeah, yes. Yeah. See Mark Spear. I don't Horton get here's any a northern. <laughs> no the northern here's a northern with its ears. The northern here's a who? <laughs> well, we opened up one there. <laughs> <didn't we? Yeah. laughs> So I'm, re- <laughs> I'm reading this book on um, on the on, on the border waters uh, yeah. between Minnesota, Canada, back in the 1600s, 1700s, and the fur traders, etc. What book he, is it? What's it? I, and I'm I'm tr- I'm blanking the on the title right now. 
There you go. It's I can vouch for him. He yeah. was reading. It was it was on the, <laughs> on the table in, the room, in our room. It's true. Mark, it's true. Mark um, the Voyager's Highway. The boy, there you go. There the there Voyager's Highway. Yeah, Voyager's I actually almost picked it up it's if a, I wasn't it's dead a really tired good book, yeah. yesterday. You were but, dead yeah. tired. I was reading till midnight. Because um, <laughs> of the coffee you brought. Exactly. Three exactly. A gallon of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I forgot the coffee. Finally brought it out at 3 p.m. But anyways, you think about... Um, that lifestyle and what it took just to get a meal. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's, I think, an appreciation you have when you're like going through the effort that we went through, like you just said, John, the amount of gear and equipment. And we're doing it with modern equipment. You yeah. know, we're yeah. using snowmobiles. Can you imagine if we didn't have those snowmobiles to get out to that spot the last two days? In that, you are. To, you if are. You, exactly. So through that 18 to 24 inches with, up to upwards of three foot drifts yeah. on Snow top of slush, slush yeah. in 37 below temps. Should we not talk about county wind chill? Should we tell folks what slush is? What yeah. that phenomenon? Yeah, why don't you I, go for it? I, I yeah. didn't. Well, yeah. Dave, feel free to jump in well, fact check here. But we all know ice floats, right? Yep. Yeah. Wait, what? Ice floats, and up you put weight on it, it's going to push down. So we get 24 inches of snow up here. On a fairly thin skim of Early ice. in the season, this right? This is yeah. probably one of the more interesting things I learned on this trip. And Absolutely. I speared for 15, 17 years before I experienced slush ever. It never yeah. used to, it didn't used to happen. It didn't like happen. That. And what happens is as you, that weight, you start to get cracks in the ice. Yep. And the water starts coming up and starts soaking up that snow. The top snow is still, is insulating. Yep. From the cold. And- because there's air pockets in, in between the snowflakes, the millions of little snowflakes. But it starts building up, building up, building up, and that creates more weight, which pushes the ice down even more. It continues on. The top of the snow will be just pure white. It looks beautiful. And then you s- step on it, or like when you and I were pulling my fish house, down through you go. It's some, yep. It seems, it feels like, if you're in a a, 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 a a snowmobile is one thing, but like on an ATV or something or walking, all of a sudden you go right through. It's scary. It it's will scare you. Yeah, it, you it think if you, you don't expect it. Yeah. And then you hit the regular ice again. There is ice there, but when you stop at that ice, it, it's spooky. Yeah. And, yeah and, and it, I mean, it just makes a mess. So like today, okay, so last, when we drove out this morning, drove down to the lake, it was 37 below zero. And... When we when I was driving out mid morning on the snowmobile, I went off of the trail that we had created, and I sunk down into the slush. So, on top of the lake, there's water unfrozen mm-hmm. in 37 below. That shows you how insulating that snow is. Yep. Yeah. It's just below the top of that. But again, so you go out there, just imagine. So um, some people I know, Dave and Amy Freeman, they lived in the Boundary Waters for a year, a few years ago. And that was one of the things I know that they struggled with when they were up there was they were dog sledding and cross-country skiing and snowshoeing across lakes. And they, and, and they just had slush everywhere. And it just, it just kills you. It just takes all the wind out of your sail. Yep. And oh, just imagine if you had to get out to that area where we were at, which is, you know what, quarter, quarter, quarter mile, half mile, yeah. quarter, there, half yeah. mile. And yeah. it's just like if you were trying to trudge through that stuff, and uh, oh, it would just be yeah, without snowshoes. No, you you just even you wouldn't. With. It would be Maybe very difficult. Yeah. But getting back to you know what you were saying before, the fact of you know, you know, without the the more modern gear that we have today, most people 
either had you know a blacksmith or they had somebody make it make that stuff, or even go back to you know to, back to the Native Americans, which is where spearing came from. Yep. Uh, they had a hide. You 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 chipped a hole, and what did you chip that hole with? Okay. We were just talking Some about that. Some type of edged tool. Some sort but, of an edged tool. Yep. You chipped through the ice. You put pine, and I did this with my students one time. We laid pine boughs all the way around the hole. Yep. Then we put a post, a, a, a pole down in there in, into the mud, and then we threw, we obviously went and got a canvas tarp yeah. and put over the top, and we laid on, we laid on our stomachs looking over the hole. How cool. And, the, wow. and they realized, wow, those pine boughs are really, this, I can they take insulate, a nap. Yeah. Plus it has that pine sense. Yeah. Pine <laughs> salt sense. How many you know? fell asleep? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of couples said that I could take a nap. And, you know, we just sat there and we had a spirit and then we put a decoy down. Well, decoys nowadays are weighted or whatever. Back then you didn't have lead. Yeah. What did you do? You tied a rock to it. Yeah. And th that rock was down below. You tied it with a piece of sinew or something. It just, yeah. it, we very, very primitive made. And it didn't have to be. It just had to look like a fish, or maybe the, you used an antler, or you used yeah, a, a piece anything. of bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you had to do that. You just didn't go uptown to get food. You didn't yeah. run to the grocery store. Yeah, if, we, if we don't get something, if we're not good at hunting or harvesting, yeah. we're not going to eat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I could yeah. say it's it's a, it's a good thing to remind ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. even though we live in this modern world. Every once in a while, get out there and and remind ourselves of uh, the challenges and and the value the value of everything that we've got. So, but, and you said it earlier. You appreciate what you're eating because you you know where it came from. It's first, it's natural. I don't know where those fish sticks came from in the store. They came from from Gordon. Yeah, Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, where did the milk come from? Oh, you know come from the grocery store no it you know it but it and just that satisfaction of knowing that you've gone out and harvested your own food well yep. you don't want to waste it like that was no. the same, know, if same a, thing if i get a rotisserie chicken i mean i'm not trying to throw away food but you're you know, not making if, if stock little, usually out of it but you yeah. get that that pheasant. i will make stock out of a rotisserie chicken yeah, but, yeah i will too but, yeah, but like I mean, you know you don't feel bad if okay you okay you yeah. too will yeah. <laughs> you don't feel bad if we you will don't. i mean but uh you know if if I'm like kind of full and there's, you know, a couple pieces of chicken left. I'm like, eh, you know, but if there's uh, something I've killed myself, I don't want a single piece of it to be thrown away. Yeah. Um, and I mean, maybe that's, that's because that's your responsibility. Right. Yeah. You harvested that animal. You want to be sure to consume it properly mm -hmm. and don't, don't, you're not going to waste it. Well, I mean, it you makes work you, too hard for it. It almost makes me feel bad about, you know, the other meat because it, it's not like it, that meat's any less... You know, that, that life was not any less valuable than Correct. whatever life you took. But there's just some uh, different connection when you've killed it yourself. And, you know, you were responsible for making that decision that right. you don't want to make that decision and then just toss it away willy nilly because it took so much time and effort and decision making yep. to going into it. Yeah, so it's a personal connection. Yes. And that's exactly. what it is. Yes. Your eyelashes you didn't freeze. did that. <laughs> you, took that you took that animal's life. And it's like, yeah, it's it's personal, and, and that's why I think I think when you go and you purchase your food, it's impersonal. It, yeah, it's a it transaction. Is. It's a yeah. financial transaction merely. Somewhere along the line, it was it, it, this, some of the same stuff happened, but it was really depersonalized. And yeah, yeah, you, you don't have to feel. I mean, much. my can of beanie weenies warming up on the manifold of the right. truck. You know, <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, I'm not Tasty good. Be, beanie yeah. weenies don't have eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, hey, all of you, um, 
I've had a lot of fun the last couple days, and yeah. I think we should do it again sometime. Yep. It was an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> it was an adventure. Maybe next time it'll be a little bit warmer. Yeah. No. Oh, like come on. 20 degrees warmer would be great. Just a couple well, degrees Tomorrow it's going to be 60 degrees warmer. It's going to be yes. tropical. it was yesterday. I and it's, gonna, it's still not going to be above layers. freezing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think that's, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I can't can't shake the math teacher part of me, but that, that's that's a true statement. Yeah, in that the summertime, a, you never see that happen. No. Yeah. It'll no. be 135 degrees. <laughs> in <laughs> Minnesota terms, where did this... Instead of this two days, we were all cold. Okay, I, I mean, okay. Like, yeah. like, oh, we must be used to this. Like, yeah. No human is used to this. That's why we live longer. Yep. That's why we live longer up here because we're we're frozen half the same year. Well, John kept saying, "He's like, you, you're, are you surprised you're not dead yet?" And I'm like, honestly, yeah. I mean, well, think about how quickly you would be dead when when we yeah, stepped yes. out of the out of the tent. You get out of the shack, and we took some pictures once we'd got a fish, and you took your glove off. Your hands are burning. Yeah, yeah. in yeah. like three yeah. seconds, yep. just yeah. like yeah. right away. Yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah you gotta be careful. Yeah. Yes, to, to yeah. All yeah, don't call try us this if you want to go out on the ice <laughs> in thirty below. Don't don't do it. Don't do it your first time by yourself in when a it's this cold and, and, in and slush. Denim. Yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate you doing this yes, for us Mark. in in even your coldest conditions. Yeah, Mark, John, and Dave. Obviously, wasn't the ideal set of days to do this, but uh, you guys still stuck with it and got everything ready for us. And, um, you know, we're, we're perfectly happy to take us out. And it was just such a treat to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there is, there is, you know, one thing um, that I've, I've been wanting to, so, you know, I'm a, you know, classically trained forester. I, I like, I like trees and, and my two best friends, one's a fisheries biologist, one's a wildlife biologist. And they're like, why do you like trees? They don't move. I'm like, well, why do you like fish and animals? They move. Um, and you know, I, someone mentioned, like, uh, you know, the last however long I've been talking, like, well, why, why, I think you, Mark, you said it. Why would you kill it? You love it. And so I had this thing thing with squirrel. I didn't really think about squirrels until you took me squirrel hunting. Now I love squirrels. I'm obsessed with them. Their biology, their ecology, you know, just their morphology, conservation. And now the same thing, you know, like, I think fish are cool. Am I obsessed with fish? Not until the last two days. <laughs> and, and so and it, it goes back to, to my, my outdoor education, you know, background of you really can't care about something until you've, you've, you've experienced it, you've held it, you've, you've killed it. Interacted with it. You've interacted in with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's in a very personal way. Yeah, e- exactly. So that's, that's kind of my, 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 my plug for, for this whole thing is, you know, Yeah. Now I now I care a lot about fish. Yeah, yeah <laughs> a lot more yeah. than I did the last two days. So that's great. Um, that's uh, you know, I I like hearing that. That's uh, that's that's really it. I think I think that personal connection creates an appreciation and respect that's important. So and I'm I'm sorry, but maybe I'm a little biased, but nothing to, after you've you know harvested a fish, you bring it home, you clean it up. Nothing tastes better than that. No. Yeah, it's so good. It's just so good. <laughs> you're, you, yeah, 100%. It's fresh. It yeah. does like, taste better. It, I mean, it's, 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 been, it, it's been in that It's that been cold, in a freezer the whole time. It's, it's, it's been in you, that cold water. You know, yep. here it's you know, fresh. It's swimming down there. It's cold, in that ice cold water. You take it out. You take it home. You clean it up. And you fry it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's at the end of a long day. You feel you've earned it. Yes, and it is so good. You took so much care and time, yep. and you're re- basically doing what we're doing now, but it's around, you know, uh, 
Oh, I'm gonna go grab yeah. some fillet, some fillets I picked up at the store. Yeah, it's just not. It's not the same. Yeah. Well, and not that, a lot of times you could say, "Hey, this fish has been sitting in the back, of the bed of the truck for two days. Yeah, you want to eat it? You want to eat it? <laughs> just physical. It's still just as good as it Why was. Why do two I just have ago? flashes of grumpy old men in my head? <laughs> <laughs> Begin where we end, or end where we end. The grumpy old men. Right uh, the grumpy old, yeah. <laughs> and there you go. We've come full circle. Stuck uh, the landing. Okay. <laughs> as we intended. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Modern Carnivore Podcast. You can continue the journey by going to modcarn.com. 